Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Film Ratio Podcast. I am Jen, GR Mom, joined as always by GR Dad. Hi. How's it going, GR Dad? Pretty good. I'm a little hoarse. <laughs> like a pony. Yeah. <laughs> I know a little German. He's right over there. These are good jokes. These are good mm, dad jokes. Terrible jokes. Anyway, I'm a little hoarse. I have, a, I have a cold, which is awkward these days, but, you know, no one needs to know if I stay inside. Jared Dad was home in Maryland. I don't know if we've told the story. Jared Dad was home in Maryland visiting his daughter a couple weeks ago. That's when I said Jared Dad is gone. He actually was just in Maryland. I think we did talk about this. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we did talk about you being in Maryland. And uh, while we were on the phone one early night, uh, I hear your daughter coughing in the background, and you're like, I think I have a cold. And I was like, don't you come home until you get a COVID test, which you did, and it's negative. Yeah, it only so. took five days to get the results, which is a little less than useful, actually, if you're doing stuff in those five days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It would, be, would have been better to have it faster. Um, and miraculously, I didn't get it. We may have talked about this on the podcast. I always get your colds. I always have all the colds. I did not get your cold. You know, you always want to be like me. I think that's nice. Even if it were COVID and your tests were erroneously negative, I didn't freaking get it. Yeah, no, I think it's good. Win. Normally, you always try to be like me. And this time, I think you're <laughs> it, asserting your independence. I think that, it's a good deal. I hope it makes you happy to talk like that. It's you good. need to sure. raise your mic up to your dad. All the years of therapy are paying off. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's too high. <laughs> Says you. Uh, <laughs> I'm very tall. All right. There you All go. right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay. Dog updates. How often have we done these and I'm still struggling with the stupid mic? I still cannot put the mic in Pete's the correct sake. place. <laughs> Good thing I'm not getting money for this because I'd be <laughs> not getting money for this. Hey, Audible is our sponsor. Audibletrial.com slash the golden ratio. Audible has been stepping it up. They've got stuff now. What do so the guy who did the chili podcast that we raved about? Have we nuts? No, we haven't. Yeah, so we talked about the chili podcast like five million times because I loved it so much. So and and I ate a chili too. I mean, it it all led to bad things. Yes, a little nitro. Yes, no. I mean, it was a a life impacting podcast. Uh, So the guy who created that podcast, who's Australian, has a new podcast called Nut Jobs (laughs) that's available if you have an Audible subscription. So this isn't just like. Uh, like a regular book. Like I, I subscribe, and so then you get access to these Audible originals. You may be able to buy it. Anyway, it's called Nut Job, and it's about, it's amazing. So it's sort of big picture, like about the food supply chain and security and whatever, but it focuses on these nut heists in California, which seems stupid, but these like organized criminal gangs would drive these like semis into these almond farms with paperwork that has like three levels of it's all legit and then they kind of intervene in the middle and so then the drivers would pick up these tractor trailers full of almonds and drive them away thinking they didn't know they were committing a crime and then basically the people involved would have them diverted to these ports and then move them half a million dollars is what a truckload of almonds is worth I mean, I just picture Mr. Peanut in there somewhere with his monocle on his top hat. He's rich, so it makes sense to me. He's <laughs> either mean, stealing the stuff or he's getting it stolen, but there's big money in peanuts. <laughs> Look at that guy. He's a freaking... These are all tree nuts. Oligarch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's got some of those too. It's very interesting. And he's talks a good about story. Like, I have not listened to it. That's why I can mock it so freely. Water usage in California and poverty and environmental justice. I mean, it's just wonderful. Really well done. 
Uh, yeah, you haven't listened yet. So anyway, that's Nut Job on Audible. You can only get it on Audible, uh, which is like, I was so excited when I was like, because if you have an Audible subscription, which I do, so I just get credits every month, uh, you can, they have like a set of Audible originals every month and you can have as many of those as you want for free. You don't have to like use credits on any of them. So I was going through last month and I was like, ooh, this sounds interesting. And I was like, oh, it's the guy. It's the chili guy. He's just so good. He's very good. And not just, he's a good storyteller, but he does his work. He gets good interviews. He's good. For sure. Now he's dogged. Yeah. Uh, It's really good. So yeah, if you want to support the pod, audibletrial.com slash the golden ratio. Also, if you want to listen to some good books. Yeah, for sure. That's a winner. Uh, Okay. So, yeah, you're not getting paid for this. No, I I figured out my microphone for today, so that's a good win. Okay. So, uh, the main news since last time is that I took Swizz to the vet. Swizz gets nosebleeds. And uh, we've talked about this before. Crime we, scene. looks look. It looks like a crime scene. Especially when she sneezes. Because she can't just put her head to the sky and put like a cold compress on her neck like humans or whatever we're supposed to do to stop nosebleeds. She just sits there. And it kind of drips and, and it drips on her foot, and then she licks it. And then her nose is pointing down at her foot, and so it continues to drip on her foot. So when Swizz is poor really Swizz. licking her foot over and over, you know her nose is actually bleeding. Oh, it's, it's poor Swizz. So we talked about this before because we had it scoped in January, and because I was worried that she had a tumor or something, and they're like, "Nope, no tumor." I am a I'm not a that kind of doctor, but I am quite medically literate. You're an educated medical consumer. Absolutely. I know a lot of stuff about medical things. I am not at all intimidated by medical communications. I can interpret x-rays very well, like imagery. I, I'm good. Yeah. Right? You don't, I don't want to diagnose anybody's dog, but I'm good with this stuff. Yeah. So I remember very clearly what happened when I met with the guy who did the scope of her nose in January after he did it because we looked at the pictures together. And he's like, okay, so like we went in there, all this looks fine. You know, this spot right here looks a little inflamed, could be an allergic reaction. It could just be irritated. Could be that, you know, she inhaled something that got up there. Uh, everything looks good. He's like, the only thing is that dog sinuses, they have a 90 degree bend. And so we can't get the camera past that bend. It just won't go there. So, you know, there could be something higher up. We did an x-ray. There's a little shadow there. It's nothing I'm really worried about. But if there's a problem, uh, you know, then we'd want to think about going into the upper sinuses. And to do that, we have to drill a hole into the skull and put the camera Sounds in there. terrible. Uh, and I was like, yeah, we don't. He's like, we could do that now if you want to. I'm like, fuck no. I'm like, let's Sounds see. medieval. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do that. Uh, okay. Well, great. Not cancer. There's no tumor or anything. Great. And I left. That a hundred percent was the conversation. I can confirm because this is exactly what you relayed to me right afterwards. And I don't like forget stuff. I don't miss stuff. Like I am on top of this. And so that was what happened in January. So she continued to have nosebleeds and we would go, all right, well, she has nosebleeds. Like we did the thing, the scope and it was fine. And the nosebleeds each last around 24 hours, like pretty exactly. She'll have it. It'll start, and she'll have it overnight, and then it'll be gone kind of after breakfast the next day, pretty much. Um, But they were getting more and more frequent um, to the point where now she's been having them 
once a week, sometimes more than once a week. Yeah. And I was like, crap, like that's not, it's not good that it's accelerating. Uh, you know, I can get that, like she had some irritation in there and that caused her, I mean, we got that scope, I think after the second nosebleed, right. Just to make sure it wasn't a thing. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one thing to be like, okay, she had an allergic reaction. She's had a couple nosebleeds. Now she's having nosebleeds all the time. Uh, and, and I got to say the best way <clears throat> to get someone worried about something is to tell them it's not that if the first thing the doctor says, is, I don't think it's cancer. Now, the first thing we think about is, well, is this, is it cancer this time? How about now? How about now? That's also how I think about myself. Yeah. I have a liver tumor. I do have a liver tumor. It's not cancer. It's liver tumor. And, uh, a, they found the liver tumor in me. So they, they found it by accident because I had a gallstone, right? The, so that showed up in the blood work and then they had to, to do like an ultrasound and then they had to do uh, something else and then they had to do an MRI. Uh, so I just had, you know, so I had my gallbladder removed. They also happened to find this tumor at the same time. It's benign. It generally doesn't cause an issue. I don't really have to do much for it. Uh, but I am a hypochondriac. There's a, an appropriate new medical term for that. Uh, but whatever. I have extreme health anxiety. And uh, so I had gallbladder surgery to remove my gallbladder. And uh, so now I have probably adhesion, which you get a lot after these surgeries, where just like there's scar tissue in there and it hurts a little bit. Uh, it's really super normal. I mean, the vast majority of cases people get it and it doesn't always hurt, but it's not a big deal. I have had follow-up MRIs like every six months, every year I get an MRI just to make sure the liver tumor is behaving, which covers the same spot that hurts, which is where my gallbladder used to be. It hurts totally where my gallbladder used to be. And I constantly am like, maybe it's a cancer now. Maybe that thing that I hurt, it's cancer now, even though like I've literally talked to the surgeon and the doctor and I've had like three different radiologists look at it and I've had it check every, now I'm still worried that like maybe now it's cancer, is it cancer now? Is that what it is? It's that's, cancer now. That's just human nature though. I mean, if you tell someone. Don't come, dismiss my anxiety as just human no, nature. No, I don't mean to dismiss your anxiety. It's hell, it's hellish. I'm just saying, don't minimize it. it. My anxiety is beyond the level of human nature. Worry about it. Fair enough. Yeah. I had to go to therapist for it. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's normal to worry about those things. I just worry about it way more than the normal person does. Uh, and of course, I worry about it in my dogs. So I'm not really a hypochondriac for my dogs. Like, we worry about them both, but I don't, I don't get like irrationally worried about the dog's health issues. I'm pretty. No, but you are, you are willing to get them checked out. For sure. Like, That's, I'm very. You don't want to ignore things or push them aside or minimize them. That's right. I'm highly proactive with the dogs. Yeah. But not like. Oh no! Is it this now? Is it this now? Is it this now? No. To the irrationality point. Um, so anyway, the fact that her nosebleeds have been increasing in frequency and stuff, I was like, all right, well, like, what are we gonna do about this? She's 15, right? And so that has to be a factor because 15 is past the expiration date <laughs> for a golden retriever, and so you just want to think about: is it worth doing whatever the thing is? So like. All right, they can do a scope in her upper sinuses. And so that's a proper surgery, right? She goes under anesthetic, they drill this hole, they put the scope in there. Oh, so we could, I mean, if that would fix something, great. 
but like, so say they find a tumor up in there. Then the question is like, what do they do about that? Is it, oh, and then we could just like snip it out or it could be this thing or this thing and we kind of take care of it while we're in there and then she's fine. Great. Like that would be a thing I would do. Like she's really healthy. She did great under anesthetic every time. Like I'm not worried about that. Uh, but if it's like, okay, well, if we were to do that and there were something up there, then it would be chemo and radiation and this kind of thing. Like you go, is it, you know, how much longer would she get? Like, what would her life expectancy be if we just left it? What would the quality of life be? How much longer would she get at 15? Yeah. Cause like she could get a hemangiosarcoma anytime, right? Like at that age yeah. stuff comes up. Uh, so I was like, I just like, I will do whatever, but I want it to make sense. Cause if it's like, if it's a bad thing, you could do a surgery and she'll get six months. Well, who knows if she's got six months anyway, cause she's so old. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I made an appointment with the vet and I went in and this is not the guy who did the scope who seems to be a more kind of specialized vet there, but just the regular person that we see all the time. And, uh, so she comes in and she's like, yeah, so she's having some nosebleeds. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, I was looking over the record. I see you had her scoped, you know, just back in January. Uh, you know, she has whatever. I don't remember the exact term that she used, but it's basically chronic inflammatory rhinitis, right? Her The inside of her nose is chronically inflamed. Um, you know, why, why is it that you all decided not to start the medication for that in January? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Nobody told me about any medicine. If I knew there was a medicine, I would have started. That's in my brain, actually. I was like, no one said anything to me about medicine. They just told me that it wasn't cancer and that maybe she has having an allergic reaction or something. And uh, she's like, oh, no, like, it's this condition. And I'm like, you can treat it with medicine? <laughs> she's like, well, yeah, it's really simple. You just put them basically on, like, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and antibiotic, and, you know, they have to take it for the rest of their lives, but that takes care of the problem. I'm like, no one told me this. Start the medicine. <laughs> you were nicer in your outside voice, but totally get that. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I guess they were just like, you know, we were all very worried about cancer, and they're like, not Cancer. And I was like, hooray. And they're like, okay, bye. There, there wasn't any writing that you could have checked. It's not like there's records that, you know, you can access the file and find I have out. it. Yeah. It doesn't have any of this in there. Mm. It's like, that cancer. I was just looking at the pictures and stuff. Like, that's it. Right? So they just, I think my guess is that the guy who did the scope figured I would follow up with a regular vet who would talk to me about treatment options. Though nobody told me I had to do that. And so we just never did. And so no one was like, oh, there's a very simple, affordable, like pill treatment for this that will make her nose feel way better and stop her from having nosebleeds. So we started on that this week. <laughs> Swizz. And Swizz is easy because she takes them in. Uh, pill like pockets. She'll, she'll eat peel. I mean, she'll eat rocks. She'll eat salad peppers, bell peppers. She'll I mean, to be any. fair, like I... I brought, we're real low on groceries. So I bought the, I have a bag of like little, like mini bell peppers that was getting to the end of its useful life. And I brought those out at dinner today to distract Swizz. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, dogs love bell peppers. It's not just Swizz. Every dog in this house was eating the bell peppers. They're all into it. They're Brody more into it than like, I am. These are the best. Guac is eating them. Vink ate them. Yeah. All the dogs around the table were like, yes, bell peppers. Yes. 
delish. Thanks for these bell peppers. Yeah, mom. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Every dog I've known like bell peppers. So Schmieg loved him. My parents Such a strange direction to go in. I mean, you just don't have enough bell peppers around, I guess. Dogs think they're great. I guess they think they're exotic. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, there you go. Our dogs love them. So I think that's the main update since last week. Yeah, St. Patrick loves spaghetti. Yes. I mean, huh? we've we've had him on the snaps eating spaghetti, but I made a big bowl today. Uh, and Jared Dad's like, has he had dinner? I'm like, well, I, I made like a whole box of spaghetti, right? A whole pound of spaghetti and then a whole jar of sauce in a giant bowl. And I'm like, I gave him a whole like big soup bowl full of that. And he just, without hesitation, ate the whole thing. So. That's great. Love so good. that spaghetti. What did he weigh this morning? 64 yeah. from 57. It's up another pound. It's very good. He's doing good. However, CBGB, who's looking at JR Dad right now, he was like 98.2 this morning. I, he have, has, I have all the excuses ready for CBGB. He was 96 the week before. so. I have all the excuses ready. It was Go, thunder. Give, he was stressed. It's, he was stressed last he's night. He's retaining liquids because of his stress. The 4th of July was last night, so that was a little stressful. I think it's because of stress. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, you're allowed to weigh in heavier every now and then. CB. CB. Your dad. Brody and Lodi. <laughs> if he's gaining weight, it's because someone's giving him a lot of snacks. There were snacks yesterday because he was so stressed, remember? No, that's true. That's true. They were his snacks. They weren't, you know, cupcakes. Yeah, that's good. But, yeah. Seeds. Uh, we'll work on it. Everybody else is doing good. Uh, you have a German yeah. word of the week? Uh, yeah, Ellenbogengesellschaft. <laughs> Elbow society. Yeah, or culture. Yeah, which is which in Germany refers to. In Germany, there's a way you get your you get your way through your elbows. So you're you're pushing. Imagine pushing through a crowd, but using your elbows as like weapons to like point people out of your way with your elbows this is a very german picture where you're yeah. using both elbows to like clear a way through a crowd and it's so ellenbogengesellschaft means a way where you get your you assert yourself using kind of bullying tactics you know pushing yourself literally elbowing too though i mean i think you've experienced elbows let, let me tell you my story about this yeah so GR Dad and I went to Germany one time. I mean, we've been to Germany many times, but this one time we went and visited his family and then we had rented a car and we were going to Karlsruhe because mm -hmm. I was giving a talk there. And so we did a little road trip. Through the Black Forest. Through the Schwarzwald. Okay. So we're going through the Black Forest and I'm like, GR Dad, the one thing I want out of this experience is to get a piece of Black Forest cake in the black forest black forest cake it turns out is like a real 1980s thing but it's freaking delicious and you all should make it and so it's like chocolate cake in layers and then in between each layer is whipped cream and then this like kind of cherry filling it's so fucking good i've made some black forest cherry cakes and they are delish but apparently it's a hard thing to get because i guess it's very 80s so anyway we stop at a couple places they don't have any black forest cake so then I don't know where we were. Where was that place? It had the tram. Up Heidelberg, to the I think. Was it Heidelberg? I don't remember. But there was like a cable car you could take up to the top of the hill. I think we were in Heidelberg. We yeah. walked. We didn't take the cable car. Yeah. We did not. No. So we're in, we're we're in Heidelberg, and I find a dessert. I mean, I'm like on a mission to get a piece of black forest cake. I find a cake shop, or whatever, like a shop, right? And they have a whole section with cake. 
and the cakes are like I don't remember if they were in individual slices or were they just a bunch of cakes, but like behind the glass. And you got to look, right? You got to look through all the stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm going to see if they, I felt like I had to look in like this whole thing. and like, It's like a deli counter. Kind of, yeah. Do they have Black Forest cake in here? Uh, so look, I mean, like I speak a little German. You do most of the German speaking when we're in Germany, right? My German's not great. I could have definitely bought myself a piece of cake. But by the end of a day of having to speak German, like, I'm really tired. It's a lot of work for me to have to, like, operate in yeah, German yeah. all day. Uh, so I already was tired and, you know, jet lagged and whatever. So I'm in this store and I was like, all right, I'm going to get my piece of cake. I, I feel like they have it here. They've got all this different stuff. And I'm standing up. It's just me standing up at this counter, kind of looking through the cake, trying to get something. And apparently while I'm in there, this busload of old German women pulls up and lets them out in front of this place. And they all pour in at the same time, literally like throwing their elbows around, push me out. Like I am elbowed out of the way of this case of cakes that I'm looking at. I, I, it blows my mind. Like this is not a thing that happens. Like it's, you see it on like Black Friday in America. It's like, look at all these people behaving so badly, like pushing each other out of the way. Like we're really good at getting in lines totally. here. Mm-hmm. And like the idea that like, here's the, like I'm standing in line to get a cake and all these women, like old ladies come in and are like literally elbowing me, pushing me out of the way. Just, they just sidled in front of you and pushed you to the back. Kind of. But like aggressively, yeah, right? Well. Not like, oh, here's this old lady who wanders in front of me, like throwing elbows. And I was like, I am, I am done. Like I broke, it broke me. I got in the car and I, I don't even remember what I said. You were so patient. And I was like, oh. this country is bullshit. You all should be removed from the face of the earth. I hate this. I hate everything about this. I now hate the part of you that is from here. This country should be obliterated. I hate everything about it. I'm done. When is the next flight back to America? That's kind of where we were. I I just felt bad because I knew this would be a problem. You were like, oh, we just get Schwarzwälder Kirsch. Or Schwarzwälder Torte, Black Forest cake. Kirsch, yeah. And I was like, oh, we're not going to be able to get it. There's There's no way. There's just no way. In Germany, if you want something specific, unless you know, like, the butcher personally who can get it for you or the the baker who happens to have it and which little street corner they're on and when they're open and when they're closed for lunch you're you pretty much you know it's hit or miss you take what you get what's (laughs) there and you eat it and you like it and it's much better now but these are i mean we did we went all we drove all day and we must have stopped four different times which is why you were so this was such a potentially pivotal moment because it it was a chance to actually get what you wanted because we'd ask somewhere else and they act like we were idiots for for asking for that like how dare you ask for something we don't have we don't have it what are you fucking idiot yeah yeah that's true like you can't you can see we don't have it what what kind of moron get something that we have then yeah and we're like we just want schwarz for that course no we don't have it implying like only an idiot would ask for i mean yeah no super rude it is a very rude society but, like, I would have been okay if just, like, no place had it. Yeah. You know, but but it was the the thing that broke me was the, like, 
just no respect for queuing up. Like no, it's a not at all. Nothing. I mean, and I've joked about this, right? You Frankfurt Airport when they board the plane, it's a freaking mob of people just pushing each other out of the way, trampling children, and then everyone meets in the gangway and has to stand. I mean, it's just stupid, right? Yeah. It's just ridiculous. But remember, we were standing in line in, for, in Paris for the Louvre. At the Louvre. And it was like, what, a 40-minute we line. Oh, my God. We were like, <laughs> I was like, all right, these, I think they were Russian They were Russian. They us. could have been Germans, though, too. I mean, yeah. It's, it's they, and so it's like a single file line, right? There's like, you know, you can stand next to your friend, but it's a skinny little line. And these people were clearly, like, if we were a little off to the right, they'd be trying to get around us on the left. I'm like, hold my hand, and I'm going to stand all the way on one side. Because it was a zigzaggy one, and every curve, they tried to, like, cut us on the inside. It was just, like, super slow motion so NASCAR. Like, it was ridiculous. But this also happened at Oktoberfest, right? Ugh. Like we were waiting to go into Germans. one of the beer halls. And like I was clear, I was standing on the top step and there were Germans behind us who were like, you know, when the guy would come to there, they were going to try to like go around me. And I was like, fuck you, no. Yeah. At that point, you're like, I'm wearing a dirndl too. So you just get stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and look, I mean, like, I've traveled a lot, right? So I know that, like, not everybody queues up like the Americans and the British oh my do. God, it is the worst in Germany. Oh, it was just, but like, it's the worst. I was at the end of my rope anyway, but the elbow throwing was like the worst part of it, right? It's one thing if they tried to cut in front of me in line, yeah. but to like physically like assault me to get me out of That's there. Right. That's right. That's it. This it's is not a thing. apologetic. There's no passive mm -mm. aggressiveness there. It's pure aggression. The, the physical contact I think is the thing. Cause we had this, we went to soccer, I think in Paris mm -hmm. and, uh, which is like not in like the best neighborhood around right. there yeah, yeah. and we were coming down from there and there was some like junk peddler who wanted me to buy some jewelry or something he grabbed yeah. my arm uh I, oh he regretted it after that i mean he like grabbed my arm to be like hey look at this and i like threw my arm off and i spun on him and i was like don't you touch me and he was like holy fuck he's like and i but it's like you could you would never do that here, right? Grab like in, someone's arm? You, no. No, and you should never no. do that. It's total bullshit. But that's the thing, like in it I it's like the the queuing, the cutting off, like it absolutely pisses me off. But the like physical contact, which is like such a violation of my space, like uh like that's a thing that apparently is like in Europe like much more okay than it is here. And, and I think it just, like, for me, it, like, pushes that button of, like, you've, like, it's one thing if you're going to be an asshole to me and it'll piss me off, but then, like, you're going to make physical contact with me to do it in a sort of aggressive way. Uh, like, I can't, I can't deal with that. No, it, let me expound on this not standing in Please. line thing. My uh, daughter was in D.C. She went to the German school there for a few years in mm. elementary school, which is a German school run by the German Ministry of Culture, but in America. So you had you know, embassy brats and a lot of German people who work for Volkswagen or German companies from German families there. And then you had a, probably a 50-50, 60-40 split with American parents who wanted their kids to, to learn German, right? And I was kind of in between. But the they'd have once a year, they'd have like a cookout for, I don't know, in June or something. Maybe it was a graduation fest or something. So you'd get your Wurst. They'd have a line of, you know, You'd get your grilled sausage, your bratwurst yeah. and stuff. And that was the most stressful time because all <laughs> the Americans would stand in line and almost all the Germans would just cut right in front of them. <laughs> and then if you, if you called a German on it, 
half the time they'd be like, I don't want to stand in line. Why don't I stay? Oh Look at God. how long that line is. I'm not standing in that. Oh the Americans God. would be like, you're an asshole. <laughs> what kind of place is this, you know? <laughs> Teaching my kids to smoke and cutting in line? That's ridiculous. Um, so it, it is, it's the worst when the cultures clash. But yeah. it is, I mean, this is my pet my theory here is this is why Euro Disney doesn't do well because who'd mm. want to who'd want to go to Disneyland if people are cutting in line all day? Yeah, and you just and you're so super, super stressed. Right? Yeah, German German restaurants the same thing. They don't have hostesses. You have to find a table, yeah. hover over that table. Oh, that's the worst. And when time comes that the people leave, you better slide your ass into that chair because someone's going to come sprinting from the opposite end of the the freaking restaurant. And sit down right in front of your nose. It also means you get hovered over, right? Oh, my God. You're, you're just like, this is uncomfortable. When so, we were in Munich, we were hovered over all of, yeah. every time we went someplace. Like people just standing there waiting for us to get up. And it's like, man, I'm going to be here another 20 minutes. If you go to the bathroom, you have like open warfare. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very stressful. I'm, the society is super stressful. I'm just going to put in a word that our line up and wait your fucking turn culture is way better. Way better. It's fair. Way better. Totally. Totally, but you have to. It does rely on everyone playing by the rules. Otherwise, the German parents are like, "Easy pickings." I just slide right <laughs> to the front. All these Americans are too polite to say anything. I'm just gonna get my stuff right now. Yeah, I am that person though. Like at the, Should. you know, I fly so much. Like when people kind of jump in front, I'm like, "There's a line." And then the get, German, get in the back of the line. The, the Germans <laughs> would be like, "Oh, I didn't know. I'm going to the back." And I'd be like, shut up, Fritz, and get in the back of the line. And then they don't. They go right behind you. <laughs> like, they're, they're not actually going all the way to the back because they're always looking for an yeah. angle. Oh, it's so stressful. Oh, that's terrible. I'm stressed now just relating all of this. Yeah, so Ellenbogengesellschaft is it? There's, it's a German word that describes German society. <laughs> it's a great word. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure it's gotten better. This was already 10 years ago, and, you know, as it becomes more open and multi, and the kids are better at this anyway, but... It's still, if you want people to stand in line in Germany, you better have a really clear line. You better have some signs. You better have some small fine print. You know, it's, it's a tough thing. Ugh. I'm all stressed now. <laughs> I know. Very stressful. I need a drink. We didn't do a cocktail of the week. No. Fuck. <laughs> we'll do that at the end. All right. Well, let's do our, uh, our conch life story. <laughs> Damn conch life story. Damn it. Boat explodes off Marathon. This is dramatic. That's a good one. Uh, there's not a lot of details. A center console-style boat exploded less than a mile off Marathon on the Gulf side Tuesday morning, sending approximately 10 people into the water. I gotta say, your dad pointed this out, 10 people is a lot of people for a console-style boat. Mm -hmm. that, that boat's packed. That's a lot of, that's all the space. Not a lot of social distancing. I hope they were all related. Yeah. Uh, no reported life-threatening injuries. Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission and the Coast Guard and a good Samaritan responded to the scene. There were juveniles in the group. Early reports indicate most or all on board were wearing life jackets, so that's pretty impressive, actually. That's not, that's not a common. given, yeah. Mm -mm. Uh, good Samaritan pulled the group from the water. So it must have been some guy boating past, and then he goes and Boat blows you need up. help, and they're all standing up to their knees in water going, <laughs> we're only a mile out. There's no water. Well, if they were in, like, the marina still. That's fair. It could, I mean, if they were on a it's sandbar. It's on the Gulf side, though. They might, yeah, who knows? I don't. That sandbar the marina, you saw was on the Gulf side. That was on the Atlantic side. Oh, what? This weekend I was uh, up in Key Largo running, 
and I was coming back and all the boat launches and state parks are closed in the Keys over the, I mean, I think in all of Florida or most of Florida for the 4th of July to stop the spread of COVID because we're fucked down here right now. Uh, and so it's like, where are people going to go? And apparently everybody went out to this one sandbar. I like was driving home and I looked out and and I was like, what am, I don't even know what I'm seeing. And it was like hundreds and hundreds of boats out on the sandbar. It's like a bunch of wrecks. I mean, it looks like some kind of disaster But movie. there were, I mean, it absolutely was hundreds. Yeah. It was weird. And they're mostly white, right? And so it's just like this weird kind of... Flotilla of ghost, yes. ghosties. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was weird. Uh, so yeah, I don't, on the Gulf side, I mean, the so the Keys, as, as we always say, there's one road and... Um, the road is pretty much on the Atlantic side of the Keys. Like the the Keys stretch into the Gulf a lot past, like like the road is more towards the Atlantic side than like the Gulf side of the island. So they extend really far into the Gulf, the yeah. kind of backwoodsy Keys. Um, yeah, but they're, the marinas, I guess they can be on both sides. So people, there, a lot of them are on the Atlantic side. Because... If you put them on the Gulf side, then you got to go under a bridge to get out to the Atlantic. Yeah, so. and probably dried you more because it's shallower. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so they're on the Gulf side. Who knows? Maybe they were way out there. So um, it could have just been bad luck, but I think fireworks. That's a good theory. It was a week before 4th of July. People have been yeah, for sure. bunkering these things. Of course, but again, it could just be bad luck and spark at the wrong time who knows i mean it says the coast guard reportedly towed the vessel back to a dock on Gulfstream boulevard where the group was reportedly renting a residence as well as the boat so it didn't explode that much i mean when i think of a boat exploding then it sinks you don't need to tow that boat if it exploded yeah victims suffered burns cuts bruises all refused transport to the hospital that's suspicious so that's it there were no there have been no updates so fireworks does seem like a good theory because if it were like the fuel or something the boat would have sunk yeah an explosion should blow a hole in a boat so that it cannot be towed or catch it on fire yeah and then that melts everything down and then there's also a hole yeah anyway Hmm. Ah. leaves more questions than it answers perhaps all right so we'll end with our cocktail of the week just to mix things up the ingredients of this cocktail is one ounce of cognac one ounce of rum one ounce of lemon or lime juice half an ounce of grand marnier that's an orange liqueur a little bit of simple syrup and a dash of orange bitters shake that all up pour yourself a very nice looking drink it's called in honor of our upcoming anniversary which is in two days between the sheets oh, nice. <laughs> it's a good anniversary cocktail so yeah, cognac and rum, a little bit of orange stuff. Delish. Grand Marnier, how is that different from Cointreau? Uh, Grand Marnier has cognac as a base. And Cointreau, I don't know what it has. I guess we use Di Serrano in our margaritas. No, Di Serrano is almond liqueur. We use tri- uh, Cointreau. Cointreau. Yeah, this What do we use Di Serrano for? A day at the beach. Oh, for example. For example. You can also make an amaretto salad or Di Serrano, which is a... Very delicious drink. I'm so glad you make these. I like drinking them, but man, this all seems the same to me. When I uh, when I was buying my first house, the house in Silver Spring, um, I was single, and 
uh, so I was, you know, just like, I was very single. Like I was not just not dating anybody. Like I didn't have any real social connection. I was very alone out Aww. in DC. Uh, but I was also very stressed about everything that goes with buying your first house. And I remember like the, I, you know, I, I wasn't not drinking, right. I didn't drink for a lot of my life. This was not that phase, but I hardly ever drank anything. For some reason, I had ended up with a bottle of sour mix in my fridge. I must have had a party or something. Just and thought the I sour, for a whiskey sour, like yeah, the sour? Yeah, like a sour, like I, this is nothing I would do now, right? Funny. Yeah, A sour mix, yeah. Uh, who knows what it was for? But I had it in my fridge. And then like the week before I bought that house, every night I made myself an amaretto sour, right? So it's oh. just like a shot of Di Serono and then whatever sour mix. And, and I... Oh, I felt so much more relaxed after I had the one drink. And I remember going like, this can't be good that like, I feel like I have to have a drink every night to relax. Like I maybe have a little bit of a drinking problem. <laughs> after one week. Of <laughs> one week of having one drink at night before I went to bed because I was very stressed out. That might have been like old liquor from your parents' house. A, a lot of my liquor was. So the story of how I got a lot of my liquor, so I think I still have some of this in my house. When I got into my master's degree program. So I, I was actually in the PhD program, but the deal was that I would leave with the master's. There was like a, I don't know what we called it, like a progressive dinner or something where you would like have appetizers at one person's house. It's like a and, pub crawl, but with food. And people's houses, mm -hmm. right? And so I was in charge of the cocktails at the for the progressive thing. And I didn't, I owned no liquor. I didn't drink at the time. I owned nothing. And so my parents, who also, you know, like they'll have a beer, but they're, they don't drink liquor, but they have a bunch of liquor from like parties and stuff that my mom is like, well, here, we'll give you like, you know, they got like a cardboard box and they put in whatever, some vodka and some of this and some of that brandy, all this stuff to make it. I think everybody at the thing drank wine and beer, right? I like maybe made a uh, I probably told them to make themselves a cocktail. I didn't know what the heck I would do, but I had all this like dusty. It was dusty when I got it out of their house. I mean, it's like seven and seven. I mean, it's like Seagram's and Crown. Ro I mean, it's like old-fashioned old stuff. It's like twenty-year-old liquor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still fine. I was there. I was at their house once, one Christmas. It, you know, well after this, but I was, I had, you know, I was at the point where I was like, okay, like I, you know, we'll make a drink or whatever for somebody. And I was like, what do you have in here? So if I, you know, want to make cocktails for everybody, uh, you know, we know what we have. So we're, we go into their pantry where they've got all the liquor and like, okay, you know, there's a bunch of, it's all really dusty bottles and there's a bottle of Bailey's in there. I'm like, that can't still be good. Like I know it keeps for a long time. Like whiskey doesn't go bad. Right. Bailey's has cream in it. Yeah. Like that's not good for all that long. And my dad's like, no, 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 it's fine. It doesn't go bad. So we take it out and he goes to pour it in a glass and it's like lumpy. It gloves. Oh, yeah. Oh, bloop, that's bloop. not good. I was like, no, you cannot drink this. He's like, it's fine. Try it. And I was like, but no, throw that away. We'll buy you a new bottle of Bailey's. This is your dad though, who had, he ate the, what is it? The, how, how many years had that fr fish been in the freezer? <laughs> I mean, it was 20 years, I decades, think. Decades, I think. It was definitely decades. My his dad, my grandpa, had caught this fish before he died. These like bluegills, which are not that tasty I was anyway. Say, it's not like it's a prize trophy fish. No, like this no. is the 
this is the sailfish that I caught in 1962, but it's, pond it's, it's fish. a bluegill I caught in the 80s. So it's like a little Ziploc bag of bluegill fillets that my grandpa had caught. And my grandpa died in 1993, <laughs> I think. 90, I mean, around right around then, maybe 94. Uh, yeah, so he had caught them. But it's an inherited fish. Before he died and given them to my dad. And after I moved to D.C., so, I mean... I mean, it, they were 20 years old, for sure. 20, year, 20 years in the freezer. Plus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 20 <laughs> years in your dad's freezer, right? I mean, there may have been more history before that. Yeah, I don't know if they had been in my grandpa's freezer or if my grandpa had just caught them and given them to my dad immediately. But anyway, yeah, 20 years old. And my Who dad, has the family fish? Like, the family trophy, maybe. He didn't... Mi- I, I, I mean, I was not living there at the time, but right. I don't think he made all of them. I think he made half, and there are still other ones in his freezer now. He took them, thawed them, and ate them. Yeah, cooked them. He he went to uh, Farm and Fleet and got a box of breading for fish, like, you know, breadcrumb stuff, and battered them and, like, dipped him in egg and then dipped him yeah. in this breadcrumb. But he definitely enjoyed the, the contrarianness of it. You know, if it had had something bad in it, he kind of would have enjoyed that. He still would have eaten it. I don't think they were good. <laughs> <laughs> Judging from the expression my mom had in the video they took, well, I don't think they were good. She understands germ theory. She was horrified. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. But your dad was super proud. I mean, I, and he ate it. I mean, it didn't have any He's one effects. of those guys who's like, there's mold on that cheese. Just cut that off and then it's fine. I know. I grew up in a household like that You're, too. I mean, you still occasionally have those tendencies and I have to take stuff away and throw it out. Yeah. 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 It's very hard for me to throw food out. That seems very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. If it's got mold on it, it's time to go for like safety reasons. I'm, I've, I've accepted this. The GR dad like theory of food safety is not in line with the science of food safety. There's a yeah. lot of stuff he just stores on the counter. And I'm like, why is that leftover meat pie on the counter three days later? You can't eat that. It's already pie. It's already <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's cooked. It's fine. It's been cooked once. That's why I just... I also have this theory that boiled eggs never go bad. Yeah, that's not true. Because they're boiled. I mean, they that kills everything. This is why, like, them. I mean, we do have a good arrangement in that... You're in charge. I'm in charge of throwing food out, and you don't argue with me about it. Yeah, and if I really want to avoid that, I just need to eat stuff. Yeah. Like, if it's in the fridge, you can eat it. Yeah. And then I regularly go through and throw but, out But I stuff. will not throw a fit if you throw stuff away. Yeah. Because I, I know my answer is just eat the damn thing. And if you didn't eat it, then you didn't. we don't need it. So we... Uh, We're okay. On this note, so I'm always very good about the fridge stuff. Um, but, you know, it's easier to let stuff get too old in other places. So, you know, we're obviously down here in Florida. And uh, when the whole COVID shutdown kicked in, um, one of my friends up in Maryland... Uh, she's very worried about getting it. She's in a higher risk group. And she's like, yeah, you know, I rented an Airbnb because they live like in the heart of DC, which had a ton of cases at the time. She's like, I really don't want to be there. And I was like, well, go stay at my house. I'm like, we're not there. We're not coming. Everything's locked it, down. We're it not was coming a resort back. in the forties. You know, why don't, <laughs> why can't it be a resort now? That's the town, not my house. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the house is very cozy. Uh, and she's, you know, one of the very few people in our lives that I would trust to stay at my house. And I'm like, I don't know what stuff I left laying around. Cause we thought we'd come back sooner. Yeah. I mean, I had, you know, 
it's just like pop in. We can leave it a mess because nobody's coming over except, oh, now she. Yeah. But whatever. Like she's, she's absolutely just family member. Yeah. When you say point. make yourself at home, she, she would without a problem. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so anyway, she stayed there, I think for two months or six weeks. I mean, she stayed for a long time Yeah. and you know, obviously other than like taking her dog for a walk, isn't going anywhere. So she's like, is it okay if I clean out your cabinets? And I was like, heck yes. Kind of like, I need a project. <laughs> so she went through all like our pantry, all of our cabinets, found all the cans of expired stuff. Like she's like, this nutritional yeast expired in 2010. <laughs> And I'm like, I think I bought that for like a recipe, like the one thing I ever used it for. Uh, Yeah, I mean, threw out all like the, you know, cornmeal that expired five years ago. Uh, Then she went through the freezer, threw out all the expired stuff from there. Uh, I I haven't actually been back. You were... Oh, it's a lot emptier. Yeah, it's great. I think she bought an organizer for our spices. She did. They were all just on one shelf. So now there's like a little like tiered spice Uh rack. She got us a little like wine thing for the fridge. Like it goes under a shelf to hold piles of wine. Yeah. She just didn't want to deal with the chaos. She's like, how do these heathens live like this? Like, let's get some proper equipment. Why is there a ranch dressing here from 2017? (laughs) I'm I'm just so pleased. She's like, are you sure you're not embarrassed? I'm like, this is the best. Like A, too late now. And B, thanks for cleaning it up. I don't have to think about it. I mean, she, like me, I think finds it therapeutic to throw out other stuff. Like she really likes purging. You do. And it's great to have her there. I, I mean, like I enjoy the purging process, but I also just like the fact that it was purged. So it's great right. that she get rid yeah, of all you that can, stuff. Yeah, you will delegate that. Yeah, that was awesome. Can't delegate it to me though, because I'll end up getting more stuff. I'll end up like trying to purge something, going to the Salvation Army and buying more stuff. <laughs> I was in charge of purging at your house when you uh, put your house up for sale. Yeah, I had to look away. All yes. the stuff, most of the stuff you gave away, I, would, I was like, the, the typical hoarder response. I was going to do something with that. I That's had plans with that. That's perfectly good. That's perfectly good. I, I, I was going to do... This. Some know. of it made me sad too, but I went through the kitchen and I was like, these black beans expired three months ago. And you're like, they're fine. I'm like, we're not moving expired black beans to my house in Maryland. No, no. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. But then like we put all the trash... Wasn't there one thing in that whole pile of stuff that we could have used here? It was like one thing. Or you're like, oh, I had one of those. <laughs> this is a very you way of thinking. Oh, my God. I'm like, let's buy a new one of the things. It's fine. Uh, I mean, we did bring some of the stuff here mm-hmm. from there, mm-hmm. uh, including a bunch of stuff that we're not using that you're emotionally attached to, which is a thing I don't understand. We got a lot of weird-looking mugs. We got a boot-shaped yeah, mug. We got me. some engraved mugs. Eventually. I'll give them to my daughter. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Do not bu- <laughs> the worst is like, yeah, I don't need that. I'll give it to someone else. When we were in Germany, my parents had just cleaned out their house because they, they were downsizing. And I told my mom, you can throw away anything you have of mine. And she's like, no, you have this box of stuff here. You need to. This was a Karlsruhe trip. To, you need to go through it. And so Jen and I are there on like a week's travel, yeah. various places. We visit my parents and my mom comes out and gives, gives me two suitcases, big two suitcases full of like books where she's like, oh, these were in our attic. Now they're yours. They, they were yours. They were in your book boxes. And I was like, you know, I, I mean, college textbooks, law school textbooks, like, notepads. But there's kids' books, notes, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So now 
while I'm on this trip, I have to do the emotional labor of like going through there and saying, well, most of this could be thrown away. I think I kept like three or four third grade things, maybe, but probably not even. Like a couple of pictures, then I'm like, all of this can go in the trash in Carlsruhe. We left all of it in Carlsruhe. Yeah, I was like that. In the suitcases, everything. I'm like, no way are we bringing all of this garbage suitcases back. where we're already traveling around yeah and we're already maxed out it was just so <laughs> weird like that's that's the handing it someone else is making it their problem yeah yeah well you look you carefully selected the glassware that you felt emotionally yeah, attached it'll to get, and it's fine. it'll get smaller i'm getting better at it i mean we'll throw away some of that stuff too we got room for it for now yeah if it gets crowded i'll be like ingo what the fuck with this boot mug the boot mug is good. See, it's, this is what happens. <laughs> it's hard to drink out of a boot. Yeah, so why do we have it in a mug? Because a challenge. One of these days I'll challenge oh someone god. to it and then I'll win. Because I have a boot. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that, I think we need to call call this podcast to a conclusion. Yeah, we got to recycle this. We got to throw it out, cast it out. <laughs> Uh, thanks everyone for listening and until next time yes thank you for your patience also wear a friggin mask yes please and don't bite anyone unless they ask if you're wearing a mask it shouldn't even come up indeed bye bye